Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Dr. Marie Ferguson, a visionary and leader in the field of dietetics who created Dietitian Connection for dietitians to feel supported along their professional journey. I truly believe in being in the right place at the right time, which is exactly where I met Marie. Marie and I were doing a mini expo at the Nutrition Entrepreneurs DPG meeting at Fency last year, and I was so interested in the work she was doing. She has created an international resource to help dietitians live out their dreams and their careers with support and guidance. Her extensive education and work experience makes her the perfect leader of this great organization. Get to know Marie a little more and why Dietitian Connection might be an organization you want to be a part of. Please enjoy my conversation with Marie. Well, since that's where we met, which I love, that I get to connect with very different dietitians in different places, which I was so excited to meet you by chance at a Nutrition Entrepreneur event. And so I really wanted to get to know more about your story and your journey as a dietitian and also about your current business. So why don't you take me back to when you were kind of thinking that dietetics was something you wanted to go into? Yeah, so I pretty much always knew that I wanted to be a dietitian. I tell the story here in Australia that there was a dietitian called Rosemary Stanton. She was pretty much the only dietitian that was working in the media on TV and she was on a sort of a lifestyle show called Burke's Backyard. And everyone that wanted to be a dietitian around that time, you know, wanted to be like Rosemary. And so I did home economics at school and just really loved the nutrition component and had my heart set on doing dietetics and here in Australia at that point in time you had to do a three-year science degree which I did and then got into dietetics which was a year and a half graduate diploma okay and yeah haven't looked back and I just I'm so passionate about the profession and you know the people in it and what we can you know bring to the community and that's interesting that you had that public figure that kind of spoke to you from kind of the start of becoming a dietitian. Yeah, definitely. Did you, so when you, so as a dietitian in Australia, there's really no like internship. It's just a graduate program that you're required to do. Yeah, we don't have an internship in the way that you have it. We do do three placements. So it's very similar, clinical food service and community or public health. And they're usually about eight to 10 weeks each. So it's just not as long as your internship, but it's, it's very similar. Well, that's good. Then you still got some experience in the different areas of all the kind of major right. big three, they call them. Exactly. <laughs> the big three areas. Right. Right. <laughs> so when you, when you did your uh, graduate degree, was there one that was speaking to you the most or did you find that you connected with one of those aspects more? Interestingly enough, no, none of them. Um, so I actually decided after I did my placements that I actually didn't want to be a clinical dietetics in particular. Uh, I'm an introvert. So the thought of, you know, talking to people all day was not appealing. So then I was kind of like, what do I do now? Um, and fortunately, there was a PhD scholarship being offered at the time. And I was fortunate enough to get that scholarship and started directly into my PhD which was looking at malnutrition screening. 
Oh, so you, that's, which is now really cutting edge type of, I mean, that's very, a big focus of dietetics right now is that malnourishment. Yes, but interesting enough, this was 20 years ago. So I kind of get a little disheartened when we're still talking about it 20 years later. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I figured that that was probably a little while ago that you were, I mean, now it's kind of sad. You're right that it's just still being a big problem. Yes. So when you got done with your PhD, did you teach then or did you, I mean, what was kind of the next step for someone that, you know, focuses as a PhD student? What do you kind of yeah. do after after that? So from that, I, you know, I presented at Fincy. Um, I think it was in Boston. And there I met my future boss at Abbott, uh, who was Dr. Ann Voss. And it, it was actually at a, a networking meeting at Fincy that Abbott used to sponsor. Uh, it was for international attendees. Oh. And so she had followed our work here in Australia and, you know, heard me present at Fincy and offered me a job at Abbott, which was like a, a dream job graduating. Um, so that's when I moved to the U.S. and spent the next eight years there. Oh, my God. See, now there is a great example that you never know who you're going to meet at Fenty, exactly. right? That's exactly <laughs> true. And you have to go to these networking events and meet people and you never know what doors will open. Oh, my God. So you were probably floored when, when that happened. Like, wow, what an opportunity. I was totally, I remember I was actually backpacking around Europe after I'd finished my PhD for a few months. And I think I was at the top of a shopping, it was very hard to get internet back then. We're talking more than 20 years ago. Um, (laughs) So I was at the top of a shopping center, you know, checking email and uh, had an email from Anne. So yeah, it was a very memorable, exciting day. Well, you made an impact, obviously, on your presentation as well. So that's very exciting. And so eight years you spent with Abbott. What was your main focus then with the company? So I started in the research area um, and worked on an internationally multi-center clinical trial, um, which resulted in the product ProShore um, being developed okay. and is now on the market in the U.S. and around the world. So we looked yeah. at pancreatic cancer patients and um, looking at fish oil in particular, improving lean body mass. Oh, wow. And so that was a great opportunity to see a product go from actual research into market. So the whole process of, you know, marketing and, um, you know, developing materials, developing um, resources, the website, you know, all the, all the factors, right. the packaging that go into launching a product. And that's, that's where amazing. I really got my, yeah, so it was, a, it was a fun time. And from there, I really got my love of business and marketing. So I went and did my MBA while I was in the US. Oh, you did. Good for you. I, and you did it in, in Ohio. Is that where you did, I did. it? Yes, yes. Oh, and just before I left, I worked on the marketing side of the business. Um, yeah. And so the marketing, so really you got a taste for marketing, you, that wasn't really on your radar when you were kind of working no. at, for your PhD. You weren't even like aware no, of the whole no. marketing situation. No, definitely not. So you obviously found that that's kind of like one of your passions. Yeah, I really enjoy it. I think it's, a, you know, and it's very similar to dietetics. So it's all about behavior change and influencing people. And so there's a lot of commonalities and, and research as well. So market research to find out what customers actually want. 
So there's definitely a lot of overlap, I think. Mm. I didn't even think of that, but that is kind of true, though. I mean, Mm. there is a very good connection between what both professions do. Huh. Yes. See, you just enlightened me with some (laughs) thinking of things in a different way. Right. So what kind of what happened when you were kind of doing your marketing, you got your MBA and did you have a vision of what was next for you when you were kind of putting all those pieces together? Definitely not. So I'd been in (laughs) the States then for eight years and I only ever thought it would be one or two. I was like, I'm either going to live in the US forever or I need to probably look at coming back to Australia. So that's what I did. And um, again, I was very lucky to... Brisbane is home for me. And so I was lucky to, a job was advertised, was the director of a dietetics department in a major tertiary hospital, Princess Alexandra Hospital. And I was fortunate to get that position. So then for the next eight years, I seem to have an eight year thing and then I move on. (laughs) Um, I was the director and working with, you know, 30 dietitians in this large tertiary hospital, which was a lot of fun. That's very different from working for Abbott. Was it hard to adjust to being, you know, in charge of 30 people and being in a hospital setting? Yeah, it was definitely the first time that I had managed that many people and going from a business, a company to it was a government hospital. Um, So there's, I think, a lot more bureaucracy and a lot more red tape and getting things to change was a little bit more difficult. Um. Yeah. Did you have to do a lot of dietetics or were you mostly just managing dietitians? Yeah, that was the interesting point I wanted to make is, you know, I've never really done that many days as a clinical dietitian. I, I joke that I've probably done it. You could count it on your hands how many days of clinical <laughs> dietetics I've actually worked. I did do, uh, I worked part-time one day a week when I did my PhD. Okay. But yeah, I was able to get that director position without having a clinical background. And I think it actually makes it um, easier to do that role because then you actually just manage and mm-hmm. you rely on your senior dietitians um, and then they're really the experts in the clinical arena. Sure. And I, it, it did bother me for a while and particularly when I couldn't help out because I, I wouldn't have been competent. Um, but people told me to think of it from a perspective like of the, the medical um, directors, they weren't doing any clinical work. They were purely managing. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And that's kind of true. And I think, you know, I, as I was a clinical dietitian at one point and I did have, you know, someone that did not do any clinical and it took me a while to understand that that's not what their role was. Their role mm-hmm, was right. to manage us and to make sure our workflow worked and everything was taken care of from, hospital standards and accreditation standards and, you know, meeting criteria and that stuff all takes a lot of time, which as a clinical dietitian, you don't get to see Mm -hmm. those behind the scenes. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you for, (laughs) I appreciate those in those positions because they're not easy either. No, they're not easy positions. (laughs) And to manage 30 dietitians. That's (laughs) a lot. Lots of personalities to take care of, right? (laughs) That is true. That is true. But that's what makes it interesting, I guess. (laughs) It does. It does. How big was the hospital? Was it must have been a pretty large hospital? At the time, seven hundred and fifty beds. I think. I think it's grown since then. Yeah. Yeah, that's large. That's a very large hospital. 
All right. So eight years doing that. What was the next eight years? <laughs> yeah. So while I was at in that position, uh, I came back to Fincy again. Fincy definitely has had a role in all of my career changes. Wonderful. Um, and that particular year, it was in San Diego, and I had just done um, a vacation doing the Alaskan cruise and going oh. across Canada and then came down to San Diego. And that particular year, I don't know if you were there, they had Jack Canfield speak and from the Chicken Soup for the Soul. Mm-hmm. Yes. Books. Did, were you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. No, were you at the, at the conference? Oh, yes, I was. I was just like a newer dietitian. So, yes, I was. And that was a while ago. San Diego was great. Yeah. So, he was amazing. And he was talking, you know, from his book, Principles for Success, which I highly recommend people read if they haven't read it. And I was just sitting there and he was talking about, you know, making things happen. And, you know, he had a $5 note or something. And he was trying to see, you know, if someone would come and get it. And eventually somebody actually did, but it took a while. Oh, they did. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, actually writing down your goals and that they're more likely to happen. So, that day with no preconceived ideas, I decided to start my own business. Um, and uh, that's when Dietitian Connection was born. Really? Wow. That's kind of interesting how you can pinpoint the time when you decided, okay, I'm going to open a business. <laughs> right. I think it was a bit of a midlife crisis as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're just looking for the next step, right? There was something that was calling you to move on. So, so did you come up with the concept? I mean, how, maybe take me through that process of, you know, I think everybody that thinks I would like to be an entrepreneur someday. How do you kind of start brainstorming the concept of your business? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I knew that I needed to do something that wasn't going to require a huge investment in terms of money. Um, and I needed to be able to do it on the side of my current job. So, I was still working full-time at the hospital. Eventually, I went part-time and I went part-time for three years before I actually gave up my position. Oh, um, that's interesting. Yeah. So, you know, these things take a, a while, Sometimes. usually a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, web based company or web-based organization seemed to be the best fit and um, putting together sort of my background, you know, in clinical management, dietetics, um, research and sort of that business marketing. I really enjoy working with the food industry and so being able to do that from Brisbane where most of the food industry companies in Australia are in Sydney and Melbourne. So, I'm able to work with them but actually still live in Brisbane. Oh, nice. Uh, but I had seen a similar model in the US. Uh, you might recall RD411, which became Nutrition 411. Yes. So the yes. concept was, was similar to that. Okay. So you were kind of thinking, I'm going to do a web base. It's going to be remote and mostly kind of working with food companies was is your focus. It's not the focus. Um, so the model that we have is twofold. One is that we're here to inspire and empower dietitians to realize their professional dreams. So basically help them to be the best dietitian that they can be. And we do that by providing lots of different professional development education opportunities. So for example, our weekly e-newsletter, uh, social media, podcasts, webinars, our new digital magazine, Infuse. And we've just launched Digest, which is an e-newsletter 
um, subscription service to help dietitians be able to send out emails to their clients. Oh. And an, yeah, and we run an annual event as well. But we find that dietitians, you know, don't have a lot of uh, resources financially. So we believe that the best way we can help dietitians is to actually also work with food companies. So our revenue model is a sponsorship model. Okay. Which I think that's what I connected with when I kind of looked more at your business. I was I was floored away by all the resources that you do have for dietitians. And um, just like, I think you, I got an email from your um, business about being able, like, I think it was the, the newsletters and doing some um, putting together, you know, email list and things like that, that you offer as a monthly service for dietitians mm-hmm. to subscribe to. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is great. I think that's something I maybe, maybe your population in Australia is a little different than us in the United States, but I think they're very similar that everyone's kind of looking for a way to mainstream that a little bit more. Yes. I think everyone, you know, wants, is looking for how they can stand out. So how we can help them do that is fantastic. What do you, what is the biggest challenge as dietitians in Australia, as far as uh, just as how many dietitians is there in Australia? Like what's kind of the population? Got about six and a half to 7,000 dietitians. So it's, it's significantly smaller than the US. I think you have <laughs> what a hundred thousand, hundred thousand yeah. dietitians, and you know I you have more FNC than we do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so it's much much smaller. But I think the challenges are similar. So, um, particularly in the last year or so, particularly last year, um, you know the rise of the experts. So, people on social media and coming out with books and you know TV shows and. Um, films, movies, documentaries, you know, whether they don't have nutrition expertise, but Mm -hmm. the public is actually looking to them as the source of nutrition information. So, as I said, how do we stand out and, you know, promote what we do and how we can help the public in whatever their needs are from a nutrition standpoint? So, as far as uh, your business too, are you very much focusing on, um, you know, making, helping those dietitians not only become put out as the expert, but what other kind of, you know, you do your resources. I think you have webinars quite often. I love your podcast. Uh, what other things do you strive to do um, with your business? We really try to focus more on the non-clinical aspects. So the marketing and the business aspects because we find that I I think it's similar in the US where we actually don't get a lot of that in our training Mm -hmm. as dietitians. Um, So, yeah, focusing more on the marketing and the business side of things. Um, We still do do some clinical aspects, but it's definitely skewed towards more of the, the business marketing. Do you have, do you think you have a lot more of those kind of entrepreneurial type dietitians in Australia than maybe like the clinical food service, those types of dietitians? I think it's definitely growing. Um, I, I would be interested to see the proportions, you know, compared to the US. It's definitely growing. And part of that is being driven by the fact that there, there isn't that many jobs here. Um, okay. So people are being forced to look for other alternative ways of making an income and, given 
the world as it is today with the internet. You know, it's we're one world. So, mm-hmm. you know, dietitians can be an entrepreneur and create new and exciting things that they haven't before. And there are definitely a lot of dietitians here, yeah, creating their own businesses and their own opportunities, which is great to see. Yeah, and it's, I was going to ask you about the landscape, the job landscape. So there's not as many probably job opportunities as there is dietitians. Correct. Would that be similar in the U.S.? You know, I you know I don't know. I kind of wonder. Some days I'm like, oh, there isn't a lot of jobs. But then I, you know, I get on Indeed or I look at job search engines, and there's a ton of them. So yeah, okay. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I, maybe it's just finding the the job that you like type of situation too. Right, right, you know, right. kind of like you spoke to. You know, your your internship didn't give you an idea of what you wanted to do. You kind of sought it out on yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And found it and created it yourself. Yeah, and I think that's what we need to be telling young graduates is, you know, there's lots of different opportunities out there. You don't have to go down the traditional paths either. Well, def- you can definitely say that because you, <laughs> you did the traditional path for a little while. Then you're like, eh, I think I'm going to switch now. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing is you can have three or four different careers within dietetics, which is what I love is that you don't actually have to change professions, that you can actually have, you know, different careers within your career in dietetics. Yeah, that's kind of true. Like, you know, when you think about just your marketing, you know, how you got interested in that and how that took on a whole nother, you know, leg of your journey that you probably didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, think would happen. So I think Mm -hmm. it's good to, don't you think it's good to kind of stumble upon some different experiences to see if you like it or you don't like it? Oh, definitely. And to see where life takes you and always, you know, take new opportunities, say yes and figure it out later. Yes. (laughs) Well, and you probably think that probably is kind of similar for your business too. I mean, you probably kind of take that aim with the different things that you try most definitely i probably on the steepest learning curve and still you know the business will be six years in september but i every day i'm still learning um (laughs) and yeah you just learn you learn something different and then you realize how much you don't know and then you you know try to learn a bit more and you know you're just always learning different aspects and it may not be dietetics anymore but yeah. You know, you're. I feel like you're always learning. Absolutely. Tell me a bit more about your, the event that you put on every year. Cause I see all the great advertising for it and it looks very interesting. Yeah. So I think we're up to our fifth year next year. Um, next year it's going to be in Sydney. So we'd love anyone to come along uh, the 15th of March. And we try to make it a really inspiring day. So it's just a one-day event. We usually get about 300 people coming along. And we just have really inspirational speakers to inspire you to, again, just be the best dietitian you could be or give you new ideas. Um, last year for, or this year, for example, a, a dietitian uh, attended the conference and, you know, has now created her own business. Oh, great. And she was inspired inspired by coming along on the day. So we get really high caliber speakers. So they're often also not in diet. They're not dietitians. So getting people from outside of the profession, which I, again, I think can broaden our horizon and give us opportunities that we haven't thought of. For sure. 
I, I kind of enjoy the, I kind of enjoy non dietitian speakers <laughs> just to give you a different perspective. Yeah. So I try to kind of emulate the opening and closing speakers of Fincy. That's the kind of level that we're trying to do here. That's with a our great event. conference. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sure you've grown it over the past five years as well. We definitely get more attendees each year. Um, yeah. So we're hoping that it will continue to grow and, um, we do get some overseas attendees. So we had some people from New Zealand and Singapore. So oh, very nice. maybe in the next couple of years, we can get someone from the US to come along. Yeah, maybe I should spend my fancy dollars and come. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun, I think. <laughs> Something different. I think it's good to experience different. Because you probably do you do you like to as a as a professional running her own business and having her own event? Do you go and go to other events to see what works, doesn't work, get ideas. So mm -hmm. you can kind of see what you're going to do. Yeah, most definitely. And um, there's an organization here called Business Chicks. They've actually just launched in the US in the last couple of years. I would recommend people check it out. Um, and they, again, have high caliber speakers. So people that are well known in, in Australia and in the US, I'm sure they're trying to get some well-known US speakers. It's a female-dominated uh, organization. And they have the most inspiring speakers. And so we try to get to as many of those events as possible. But again, we also go to other non-dietetic events. We're looking for potential speakers. So we like to have heard the speakers before so that we, we know that they're dynamic and engaging. Sure. And we also look at how, how the event, you know, is conducted and, and definitely try to get ideas that we might be able to use in our um, event. Um, so, for example, and it also leads to other relationships and, and connections. So the CEO of Business Chicks was on our uh, latest issue of Infuse with, that we launched yesterday. I um, saw that. So, I was interested. Do they yeah. have a podcast too as well? Or am I thinking of someone they, else? No, they don't. Okay. They don't. I was thinking that there's so many things, but I, I did see it on your, the cover of your, your magazine. Yeah. So I would highly recommend checking them out as they grow in the US. I will. I will. I'll look, I'll read it. I'll read it about them in your magazine as well. That's mm -hmm. exciting. Now you got me thinking about coming to your conference. <laughs> <laughs> I, it yeah, is a long I, flight, but, uh, it is. but it's definitely worth it. But, but you have to come for a decent amount of time. Yes. Yes. I could make it a, an, an event. It could be like a vacation. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So where do you kind of see dietitian connection going in the future? What kind of things are you kind of visualizing? One of our goals is to go global. So we're, we pretty much have all of the dietitians in Australia as our members. And we also have a lot of members from New Zealand. We do have members from every country in the world, but there are small numbers at this point in time. So, yeah, we definitely love to grow um, our membership globally mm -hmm. um that's probably the biggest goal and i mean that's a huge goal that's a hefty goal yes <laughs> yeah. it definitely is but i think you're right about you know you have to go and make connections with other like-minded people whether they're dietitians or not dietitians that's what helps you grow definitely definitely it's all about relationships and networking and partnerships and collaborations i couldn't emphasize that more yes 
And tell me more about your podcast. How did you guys kind of get started about doing your own podcast? And how do you find your guest? And and talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, I'm trying to remember back to why I wanted to do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was looking for other channels. So we're always looking to be innovative and cutting edge and refreshing. Um, and I go to a lot of, as I said, marketing events. And I think podcasts were being talked about a lot. Um, so I felt like I needed to, to start one, but it just all seemed overwhelming. And fortunately, I had met Kate, who now works for me. Mm-hmm. And when she was a student, I said to her, she wanted to do a bit of volunteering. I said to her, can you figure out how to do podcasts for me? <laughs> and she came back with like a 12-page PDF with all of the screenshots and steps of what needed to be done. And so I just said to her, well, how about you just go, you go and figure that out and, and do it, which she did. And um, the rest is history. She, now she's a full-time employee. Um, but she really figured out podcasting for me. And the first in, her first podcast, she actually interviewed me. But, oh. yeah, just um, such a great initiative. And for any young dietitians out there, I would, you know, looking to get your first job, I would say definitely volunteer and um, show initiative. And it can lead to lots of great opportunities. Absolutely. And your podcast, I it's just great information about the different dietitians and individuals that you interview. It's kind of similar. We have very similar goals with our podcast of just trying to yes, kind of toot toot the horns of our our dietitian people and and really totally. give people yeah give people the identity of you know there are so many different things that you can do and it's important to to find those opportunities. Yeah, and I think just sharing people's stories and journeys and you can learn and get ideas of what's available out there. Um, Kate and I have a very different style in our podcast. So, Kate's more about trying to get the facts and the how-tos, but I'm very similar to yourself, I think, and just, you know, wanting to hear people's stories. And that makes a good combination because you have a little bit of both. It does, it does. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, how many years have you been a dietitian then? Oh, I graduated in 95, so 23 years. 23 years. See, you are, you're an expert. You're someone, a, yeah, a resource. Makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I think I have been a dietitian for 17 years this year. So it's just kind of like, okay, whoa, okay. you know, so yeah. we're very, you know we're very close. Cool. <laughs> yeah, we're yes. in those numbers. <laughs> yes. We're just wiser. Let's just go with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, I think all the things that you're doing, I absolutely probably, every time I see an email come through from Dietitian Connection and from you, I definitely get a lot of great information. And I hope if there's listeners out there that have not, you know, connected with you or signed up for your newsletters to definitely do that because you guys have, you just kind of take a different approach than maybe what we're getting here in the United States. And I really appreciate that from my end. Thank you. And we're always uh, welcome feedback. So if anyone has ideas or if they'd like to collaborate with us, yeah, we're looking always to connect with people and do things differently. That's so fun. Well, I think it's great that, you know, how you kind of fell into what you're doing now and, and how, again, never ever turn out an opportunity because you never know what's going to happen or a conference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Definitely go to those conferences there. And I call it, you know, people see it as an expense often. It's actually an investment. 
That's so true. And I think you're right. Like changing that mindset from, oh, it's going to cost this much to, oh, I'm investing in my future and I'm investing in my life. Definitely. I mean, it's not cheap to travel over every year from the, from Australia to the US, you know, it's quite a few thousand dollars. Um, but I see it as an investment and, you know, I get energized by it as well and get inspired and, you know, make new connections and yeah, it's definitely worth the investment. It is. I'm a big fancy. I think uh, the Academy should have me on the payroll. <laughs> I thought, you know, it's funny. I thought you were on the payroll when I met. I'm like, I've seen, well, like, cause I've, I've been at fancy so many times. And I've seen you from afar and I never actually met you. And I, I thought you were like one of the high up fancy people <laughs> for a while. Oh. <laughs> like, well, she must be on like the board of directors. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have been on a few Academy committees which has been great more in the clinical space so for example nutrition care process and okay. malnutrition screening um so which has been great them. because they are yeah so they have um those committees are actually global so they're representatives from all over the world so again that's a okay. great opportunity to meet other dietitians from other countries yeah they should have some like symbiotic um way to incorporate you into the payroll for sure <laughs> 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 yeah, I think that's funny because I did. I remember, I think I saw you, oh, it was a couple years ago. Maybe it was in Atlanta. And I don't know where okay. I saw you at because I'm sure you were there, but I saw you and I was like, oh, she's, I was with a group of people. I'm like, I bet you she's like high up with, you know, <laughs> the American Dietetic Association. So, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> see, little do I now I know you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I I do have a, a, a couple fun questions for you to end our podcast, but I would like to know what kind of foods do you enjoy? I was thinking about that question and my favorite is roast lamb. So lamb is a very common um, dish in Australia, um, but I thought I'd better throw in the, the Australian foods such as Vegemite. I don't know if you've heard of Vegemite. I have and I've I've tried it. <laughs> we you had tried it. it? I um, have. We actually had a customer in the store that I work in request it because they lived they were from Australia. And so him okay. and I tried it together and it's actually really good. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh really? You're the first I person from it. the US that I've heard that liked it. <laughs> I tried it's to definitely be open. an acquired taste. Yes, yeah, it is different. A, I couldn't eat it all the time. <laughs> No, and you only need a little bit. People make the mistake of putting too much on. Um, but for those of you who don't know what it is, it's a, like a yeast extract. It's very salty, but mm-hmm. we would have it, for example, on toast or uh, on bread. Yeah, so um, it's definitely an Australian delicacy. It's interesting, and that's what he told me. He said, you can't put very much, just a small amount. Yeah. So that's what, <laughs> a small amount on bread, and it was. I thought it was pretty good. It kind of reminded me of... Oh, good. I don't know. It, okay. I don't know what it kind of reminded me of, but it was good. So interesting. Uh-huh. And lamb, lamb is something that um, has I've been open to trying a little bit more too. And I think it has to be prepared correctly to make it taste good. So yes. <laughs> I'm sure you have great yes. dishes in Australia. Yeah, um, there's lots of different ways you can cook lamb, but yeah, it's similar to beef. But yeah, sure. definitely. But yeah. you know, it's what we grow growing up with here. So yeah, yeah. Do you have beverages or a beverage that you enjoy? I am a sweet tooth. I, I, I don't like, I, 
I've been described, I think, as one of those super tasters where I don't like coffee and I don't like olives and I don't like a whole range of foods and I've definitely got a sweet tooth. So, mine would be a hot chocolate or um, like a Moscato, a sweet wine. Mm, uh, High five to both of those. Those are both delicious. (laughs) Hot chocolate is like my favorite. I would choose that over coffee any day. (laughs) Would you? Really? Yes. Oh, for sure. That's interesting that you've been, you're kind of a super taster. That's very interesting. Oh, I'm blaming my genetics for, (laughs) I've tried to, I've tried to like coffee so many times I had an interesting story last year we or sorry this year we actually had the CEO founder of Merlot Coffee as one of our speakers and I had to meet him and I'm like how am I going to meet like the king of coffee and not <laughs> drink coffee so I uh, I tried I tried and tried and I'm like I can't do it so I'm like how am I going to handle this so I actually got to the meeting early and ordered myself a hot chocolate so that Did I didn't have to tell him that I didn't drink coffee <laughs> Hey, you got to do what you got to do in those kind of situations, right? Yeah, don't tell him. Oh, we will. We will. We'll keep that secret. But I can understand like there's just some things that you just don't like the taste of. And it's difficult when you get put in those situations. Yeah. And this week I was at a conference with the CSIRO, which is a large research organization in Australia. And they were saying that, you know, taste is definitely influenced by genetics. So I'm going to I'm going to believe that. Oh, sure. I would definitely. Science says then definitely. <laughs> yeah. Do you have certain colors or a color that you enjoy? Definitely the DC blue. So I'm a big fan of blue. Um, one, because I think it's one of the colors that looks good on me, but I also <laughs> like looking at it. I think it's calming. It, it kind of does. It's a usual medical type color. Um but yeah, we're definitely fans of the DC blue. And I know Libby Rothschild and I listened to her podcast with you recently. Yeah. Who is big on branding. And um, there's a lady in Australia who's on our Shark Tank oh. version in Australia. And her name is Naomi Red Simpson. And she has a company called Red Balloon and she always wears red. So huh. whenever I'm out and about, I do try to wear the DC blue whenever I can. I, you know, I think that's an interesting take on branding about your clothing and trying to kind of make sure that it aligns with your, just how you are as a professional and things that you enjoy and like too. So I, I enjoy that. I tend to find myself wearing mm-hmm. a little bit of red every once in a while too. So maybe there is something. Okay. With that. okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, definitely. Interesting. <laughs> Do you have a favorite or a scent that you enjoy? I actually don't have a sense of smell, so you don't. It can be an ad- <laughs> no, so it can be an advantage, and it can also be a disadvantage. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. is that genetic too? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I lost it along the way. I'm not exactly like around high school. Yeah, oh. I, I have no idea why. Interesting. Yeah. Was that scary to kind of lose your sense of smell? Yeah, I, I don't know if it happened over time. Like, it, I don't actually remember don't ever having it now. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it's scary in terms of, like, food safety because you don't know if sure. food has gone off um, or if there was a fire or, yeah. So, um, there are some downsides. Huh? Yeah, you'd have to, like, phone a friend or something and be like, come over, can you, sm- yeah. <laughs> can you smell this for me? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and what brings you joy in life? 
definitely seeing young dietitians succeed. That's why I love my job and I'm passionate about dietitians and I love seeing young dietitians just thrive and be successful, you know, in whatever their passions and dreams are. So, if we can do that through Dietitian Connection and help one dietitian, then I am very happy. And that's... I. I, I agree with you 100% because I think that young dietitians need resources like that and need that support. So thank you so much for, for doing that for dietitians. We need more of that. Thank you. And to you too, with your podcast and the work that you're doing. We'll just be dietitian cheerleaders. That'll be, we'll form a squad. Yeah, we need that. <laughs> exactly. We definitely need that. Well, thank you. And you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. I appreciate having you, having me on. Thank you so much for the, the time and lovely to chat with you. Yes. And we'll see each other. I look forward to seeing you at Fincy. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Marie has such a great story and I think she is doing much needed work to helping the progression of our profession. I look forward to staying connected with her along this journey. And I also encourage you to visit the Dietitian Connection website. I want to share this with you from the website. At Dietitian Connection, we believe in you and your life-changing work. So we're here for you every step of your career. When you feel supported and connected, you can do great things. So we help you effortlessly. Stay up to date and learn from the best. Welcome to your place to learn, grow, and prosper. The latest news is curated right here. Along with job listings from far and wide, delve deep into our products and resources, or join an event near you. Learn on the go with our podcast or get a front row seat at one of our webinars. Our community is over 6,000 strong and we're looking forward to meeting you. Go to dietitianconnection.com. My website, annelizabethardy.com, is where you can read the latest post in my Nutrition Noshes blog that houses all the stories of my current adventures, food I am noshing on, the jams making up my music playlist of my life, and maybe a really delicious real deal recipe that I might be burning up in my kitchen. As always, sharing with you what I'm loving right now, and you can find all my previous podcast show notes and links to things we talked about during all my conversations with these inspiring humans. If you are into reading, you can also purchase my book from the website, and I hope we can connect more by joining forces on social media on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at AnnaElizabethRD. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.